Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I'm really excited and enthused to have Joanne King on the show today. So Joanne King has a really interesting background. She's going to share her background and story with you. But right now, she's the Director of Healthcare Advisory Services at Coastal Cloud. She's going to tell you a little bit more about what they do and what she's doing and she's gonna share her passions, but I'm not gonna steal her thunder. Joanne, welcome to the show. Good morning, how are you? I'm great, I'm great, Joanne. Uh, so a couple of things, thank you for making time, thank you for peeling off time, thank you for being here to share your story with us, and I guess along those lines, Joanne, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and maybe where you started off, and maybe you can tell me a little bit about your origin. Absolutely. And thank you so much for inviting me to be part of your podcast today. I'll start with my very first job in healthcare was as a social worker working in hospice programs. I graduated from Florida State with my master's in social work and they took a chance on me and hired me to work with patients and families facing terminal illness. And we met with those patients and families in their own homes, as well as in hospitals, nursing homes, wherever that patient was. I am so grateful for this experience because I really think it shaped my perspective related to my professional role that I've held since that time in healthcare as well as in my own life. And the biggest way I think, Anthony, is that it's really given me perspective on what's important. You know, we all want to be remembered for our relationships, family, love. What is our legacy? Not mm -hmm. so much what we did, but, but who we were and also being in hospice taught me some of the limitations of medicine, science, and technology. As wonderful as they are, they can't do everything. And I'll share a story. Very early in my hospice career, I had a young patient, and I will say very early in my hospice career, I had drank what some of us refer to as the hospice Kool-Aid. We were, you know, angels coming in to rescue people, and we were just wonderful because that's what all my friends and coworkers told me that hospice workers did. And I remember going to this patient and asking him, what can I do for you? And he looked at me and he paused and he looked right at me and he said, I need for you and your nurses to not have to be here. Can mm. you do that for me? Mm. And he said, if you can't do that for me, you can't help me. And it just, it really, it really got to me. And I thought, I, I continue to think about that 20 years later, that we couldn't give him the one thing he wanted. And that was to not be dying and to not be leaving the ones he loved most. And while we couldn't change the outcome of his physical diagnosis and condition, hopefully we were able to provide some comfort and some support during their journey that, um, that they wouldn't have had if we weren't there. Mm -hmm. Professionally, my hospice experiences, I think, have made me very aware that at any given moment, everything we do is affecting one real person mm -hmm. and that that real person is going to be us one day. You know, we all know that at some point in our lives, we're human beings and we're walking around in bodies that we're all going to get sick or injured. And eventually we're all going to be facing end of life. And everyone we love is, too. We just don't want it to be today. Right. And. Mm -hmm. I always think back to another situation. I heard there was a physician named Ira Bioff, very prominent in the hospice and palliative care movement. And it was a conference talking to hospice workers and administrators. And he told us that what we're doing matters because we're making the beds that will die in one day. Mm. And, and that really has stuck with me too. Um, 
And I've kept that in mind as my career has changed from the bedside to I ended up doing some administrative work in hospice before moving into healthcare and hospital systems. And my most recent role prior to joining Coastal Cloud was I was chief operating officer for an Advent Health Hospital here in Florida, which is a, a large healthcare system. So kind of got to apply my learnings in a broader perspective, touching lots of different parts of the patient experience beyond end of life. Mm, um, mm. Yeah. So, so with, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> this is okay. good. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think in the healthcare system, we monitor and we're evaluated by lots of metrics, right? You mm-hmm. know, whether it's revenue targets, CMS star ratings, um, leapfrog scores are, are real important in, in my community. But the real measure to me is did we make things any better for that one patient right in front of us right now? Mm-hmm. So when I had the opportunity to join Coastal Cloud, which is interesting because I will also say I am the quintessential technology end user. So, so technology is not my forefront, but it's been wonderful to join the Coastal Cloud team because I've joined a team that's really helping to deliver solutions to help leverage technology for meaningful engagement between patients and providers. And that emphasis is always on keeping that one patient at the center of what we do. Mm, mm. No, I, I love it, Joey. And I, I mean, I love your background and, and the, the, the level of empathy and leadership and the focus in on the social side, on the hospice side. And, you know, I, I think in healthcare, if you haven't helped, you know, someone more in their end of life, you know, you really haven't seen the full spectrum of life. You know, everyone, you know, whether it's as parents or, you know, we see the, the beginning, the middle and, you know, towards the end of life and having that empathy and understanding the the, the the socio side the economic side the the but the the human humanity uh, is really important to see the broad spectrum and then you couple that with your experience at Advent Health or Florida Hospital um, you know super powerful to see that broad spectrum and now you're at a, a place that can enable the technology enable the processes to be more efficient more effective for patients and that patient centered care and so it's really phenomenal to see the the, the broad spectrum that you've um, you've been a, a part of. Uh, Joanna, I guess along those lines, I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the things you're most passionate about in health today. What what has your optimism, what 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 has your captivation most when it comes to healthcare today? Yeah, and thank you. Um, a lot of things because healthcare is just, it's growing and it's moving fast. And what's got me captivated today may be totally different this time next year as quick as things are changing. But what really has me excited is I think we're finally seeing real movement from volume to value, placing that emphasis on outcomes and experiences. You know, in my time in healthcare administration and just in the healthcare world, we have you know been talking about it for many years but the incentives have stayed aligned to volume. So the more procedures we did, the more we got paid. But as healthcare continues to take up more and more of our GDP, I think we're being forced to to look at different models. And and I think that's all good for patients and families and good for us as healthcare providers as well. Um, I think that movement is what you're seeing behind population health and shared risk. But at the end of the day, it's a win for everybody if we're all healthier, if we're able to go to work and take care of our families and enjoy our relationships and interests. 
Mm-hmm. So, so this is all good movement in the right direction. And the social worker in me is very happy about those movements. Um, and up to now, I think a lot of providers have been slow to transition to the value-based care, to the risk models. Right. Because it, it, it hasn't always been clear that there's a path to profitability or even sustainability. You know, right. How do we do this without breaking the bank? Because we have to be around for tomorrow. You know, I want the healthcare system to be around for my kids and your and your little one, you know, long mm-hmm. after we're gone. So we can't right. break now. But um, I'm heartened to see also, I think some of the new payment models coming out of CMS are structured that incentivize more providers to transition to value-based care. And the hospice social worker in me is really pleased to see that emphasis on patients with complex chronic conditions. Um, A new primary care model I was reading about called Primary Care First incentivizes Mm -hmm. providers to try to reduce the hospital admissions and the total cost of care of folks with high chronic conditions. And it's a real comprehensive model that I'm excited about. You know, it looks at access to care, um, care management and coordination, and really engaging the patient and the caregiver. Mm. I love that part of value-based care. I love that part of population health. I think for a long time, healthcare, it almost feels like something we do to people rather than something we engage people in and we're partners with. You know, at the end of the day, we can't do anything for anybody we have to have partners and we have to be part of a person's life and their goals and what what they want to accomplish so i'm really excited about models that engage the patient and the caregiver the family caregiver to be actively involved in those activities Mm -hmm. and i'm also excited because i think these models also allow physician providers primary care physicians to collaborate with partners like hospice and palliative care programs Mm -hmm. to care for patients with serious illness and for those programs to get reimbursed so you know as as we can cover expenses and as programs can can see that value i think we'll see more partnerships happening between systems and and, and more vertical alignments, whether that's within a system or with partners outside the system. I love it. I love it. No, Joanne, this is great. This is great what you're seeing. It's great what you're doing and, and, and how you're, you know, supporting, supporting this healthcare system in a, in a, in a really interesting time. It's a fascinating time. You know, it feels like the stars are aligning uh, to, to write the ship in terms of uh, connecting patient centered care value and, uh, you know, it's a great place that you're at right now to be able to have that leverage point to be able to facilitate this change um, that's going on. Joanne, I guess what I'd love to hear a little bit more is these these things that we're talking about here set ourselves up for an interesting future, a great amount of change that's going to happen in probably a short period amount of time. I'd love to hear about out your vision of health in the future. Tell me a little bit about that optimistic version of health. What do you see happening? Maybe across your career, you've seen a lot of things that didn't feel right, didn't look right. Maybe your vision of healthcare uh, corrects some of those things in an interesting way. So I just love to hear about how you look at the future. Sure. When I think about the future and what gets me excited, um, the, the, the social worker in me comes out because I feel like everything is aligning to kind of help us get back to the why we're doing all of this and that why and i think of population health to me that's kind of old school social work 
so we get to get back to the focus on the one patient in their environment and look at they take into account their roles their resources their family their community and and their other social needs and then with that um, the new requirements affecting reimbursement which is which is how we get everybody's attention about value-based care and interoperability they're challenging our systems including providers and payers and even patients as we just discussed to really intentionally engage and collaborate outside of our own four walls or outside of our own viewpoints. And when I look at trends towards connection and regulations coming out even about interoperability and systems being able to talk to each other, I think that that is just moving us all in the right direction. Um, I'll share an experience when you think of connectivity and healthcare. Typically, healthcare has not been known for being all that connected. I think we've been known for working in silos. And I can think of years ago in my own experience at a health system that I worked at, I had my own procedures two days in a row. One day I had lab work and another day I had an imaging procedure in the same facility. And both days I had to redo all my documents. I had to mm -hmm. show my insurance card and I had to fill out all the forms and everything and because it was two different departments in the same building, but two mm -hmm. different departments. And we have come so far with the technology. And I think between what, what lots of organizations are doing and including what Coastal's doing so that groups can talk to each other and that, you know, patients that don't have to have that experience of right. you know, reinventing the wheel every time they walk into part of a healthcare system. So I'm, I'm real excited about that. I think as we have all this technology and, you know, one of the things to, I think in the United States, we are so blessed to be here because we just have so much amazing, life-saving, innovative technology. I, I am always amazed at what's coming down the pipeline from the clinical perspective, you know, mm -hmm. new technologies and treatments that are being developed that, you know, people who didn't have hope even a few years ago now mm -hmm. have lots of options, whether mm -hmm. that's oncology, genetics, you know, and very targeted individualized clinical treatments, I think are very exciting. And a lot of that comes from the, the data that we're able to collect. And, you know, right now there's such a focus on using data um, effectively. You know, even you hear about artificial intelligence and making good decisions. Um, I'm excited about that, but I also hope that, that we give pause, that data can be a blessing and a curse. Um, right. And I'll explain that so that I don't... Um, freak out too many people, I, I guess, that uh, better data certainly supports better patient safety, better outcomes, new innovations. You know, I think of when I was in the hospital system, that data really helped us um, take on challenges like hospital-acquired infections, falls, and such, and helped us to develop better interventions. I think that that's when we know more, we can do better, and when we share that information, the flip side of the data coin for me, and sometimes that may be just because I think my brain gets full, there's so much data, it can be overwhelming on what to focus on, on any uh -huh. given day, and where to put our priorities. We can collect right. data about a lot of stuff, right? But what's important? What right. do we focus on? My guess is if you ask any hospital administrator, they can show you their dashboard collection. We probably all have, have those somewhere on our computers, but I think we'd be hard-pressed to, to find an administrator or a doctor or a nurse who got into healthcare because they wanted to look at dashboards all day. <laughs> right. 
Right. That's, that's not what we got into it for. We got into it for the one patient. And that sometimes if we don't take on the data and look at it with real meaningful intentionality, that right. we can get distracted and lose sight of that one patient's journey in our system, you know, and miss some pretty amazing moments to help or just to, to be part of along the way. Mm-hmm. I equate it to, you know, if you're driving, if you and your family are going on a, a cross country road trip, but you only focus on the dashboard on your speedometer right. and your gas tank, you got to look out the windshield. You got to talk to your family in the car. You've got to take in a lot more than just that dashboard to really get the value of the journey. And right. what I'm excited about is I think that, again, population health value-based outcomes is helping us get back to that focus, um, back to people, that right. we actually get to take care of patients again. Right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely, Joanne. No, this is great. And uh, I really appreciate the the perspective and the fr- almost like the mental framework you're giving us to think about, you know, the future and what's going on with healthcare and this, you know, important shift that's happening. Uh, it's it's super exciting, Joanne. And um, so a couple of things. I want to be sensitive to your time, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on to share your story. You know, share your your work with us and what you're focused on and how that's paving the way for the future. I guess my very last question for you, Joanne, is if our listeners would like to get in touch with you, what would be a great way to do so? Sure. The easiest way is probably on LinkedIn. And I am um, easy to find, Joanne King, and uh, listed as Director of Healthcare Advisory Services at Coastal Cloud. And also you can email me through LinkedIn or my email at Coastal Cloud is Joanne, J-O-A-N-N-E dot King, K-I-N-G at CoastalCloud.us. Super, super. Well, um, Joanne, we'll link to that in the show notes. And Joanne, this has been super great having you on. This was a, this was great to connect with you. Really appreciate your story and your work here and love to have you back as you work on more projects. And uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joanne. Have a great one. Thank, thank you. you too.